What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I am Ben. We're here to bring you our opinion on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 186. Uh, baseball and football today. Uh, not much of a surprise. Regular season just ended in MLB. Uh, just ended yesterday was the final game, I believe. And so the playoff bracket is set. The once small and, and distinguished playoff bracket, which is now... Uh, eight eight teams or six teams? So it's six teams. That's not that's not too bad. And each um each league certainly up from what it was the four a couple of years ago, and then went to five, and now we're six. But whatever. So we're gonna review NFL uh, week four and give our way too early picks for MVP, offensive defensive player of the year, and offensive defensive rookie of the year. Uh, let's start out first with baseball. If I can get the right screen pulled up here, there we are. Of course, that was not it. There we go. Okay. Uh, playoff matchups uh, are the six-seed Rays against the third-seed Guardians, the fifth-seed Mariners against the fourth-seed Blue Jays, and the Yankees and Astros have the two buys in uh, the first round. National League, Phillies six-seed against the Cardinals at a three-seed. Padres 5-seed against the 4-seed Mets, and the Dodgers and Braves are the 1-2 and two seed with the bye to the second round. I know you don't watch much baseball. Uh, hell, honestly, the way we go, we really have time to watch football sometimes. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Sit down for 162 baseball games. Uh, but what is, is there a particularly intriguing matchup? Is there, uh, looking at that bracket, is there an upset you can see already that's potential, uh, potential upset? Any of these big guys going to get knocked off in the second rounds? What are you thinking? I'm, I'm thinking the only one I'm really thinking about is is the usual. It's the Rays. Um, you never know. You really never know, Chris, with uh, whether or not they can pull off a miracle. Um, it seems like every other year or every two years, they come from out of nowhere and sneak in and make a run so if i had to lean on someone it would be the rays um other than that yeah i mean if if i were doing like a a pool and i had to choose my winners i'd probably just go one two on both sides all the way to alcs and then you know, from there, it's kind of a toss-up, really. You know, that Astros-Yankees have both been powerhouses all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dodgers and Braves have been powerhouses all season. So it's it's hard to look at those four teams and, you know, think any one of them will not make the ALC, AL, uh, any of the uh, CLs. Uh but there is a surprise, and, and I think the likelihood is going to be the Rays if anybody um, makes it past uh, one of the two top teams. Yeah, looking at this, looking at this bracket, uh, the interesting thing to me is at least this first round. Um, obviously, when you get into the the four powerhouses waiting in round two, it's a bit of a different story. But this first round, uh, it could be a coin toss. Any of the four matchups. You know, I mean, yeah, you have your team. Like, the Mets were first place for a while. They're the best team in baseball for a while this year. Uh, they kind of fell off a little bit towards the back half of the second half of the year, the back quarter of the year. Uh, but, I mean, they're still a damn fine team. Some really good pitching, great offense. I mean, it, 
they could certainly uh, make a run if they play the way they did early in the season. Uh, Cardinals, you know, I, yeah, on paper, you know, Braves, Dodgers better, but they're still, they're, you know, Poole says he wants to play another year. At least he did last time I heard. Yadi's retiring. Yeah, that emotional part of it. Um, and never underestimate that because I remember a Joe Flacco-led Ravens team in football that, <laughs> that were carried to the Super Bowl on the weight of the emotion of Ray Lewis retiring after the season. Uh, so, I know different sport, but still, you never know. Like you said, the Rays, I mean, you could come in as, as a sixth seed and, and the way that team operates, you could see them in a World Series. Right now, I know it's too early. Haven't even, haven't even thrown a pitch yet in the first round. What would your World Series matchup be on, on paper right now? I would I would probably go... Something tells me that the Mariners, it's their year. Mm. And I feel like it's going to be the Mariners and the Braves in the World Series. I don't, I don't know. A lot of people were crapping on Julio Rodriguez, me included, early in the season, should have been sent down. Clearly looks like he's going to be the AL Rookie of the Year. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's going to translate to the postseason, uh, but this team is riding high, getting into the playoffs for the first time in, what, decades, I assume? Mm-hmm. Uh Something tells me there might be a little magic there. Uh, the rest of the other teams, they have flaws. Uh, and, and I really don't want to see the Yankees in the World Series, to be to be clear. No, nobody besides Yankees fans does. <laughs> so, um, and the Braves are like the Braves. Even if, you know, I think yeah, they won last year. Right? They won last yeah. year? Yeah. yeah, they won last year. Um, even though they won last year, I like the team still. I have no beef with them. So if they won, they won again. It wouldn't wouldn't affect me one in the one way or the other. So that's that's what I'm going to call it. Braves Mariners. I'm not picking the Mariners, but the cool thing about the Mariners is a lot of times Julio Rodriguez called up earlier in the year, like you said, and by all accounts, this kid looks like one of the players that's going to lead the game in the next generation. Uh, but the cool thing about this for the Mariners is now, yeah, they set him to an extension already, mm-hmm. uh, but they now get to see very early on in his career, like rookie year, how he's going to perform in the postseason because it's a whole different animal and a lot of players can't take the pressure. And a lot of guys who normally aren't great in the regular season thrive in the postseason. It's really odd how it works. Uh, it, it's a lot like a great closer will come in the eighth inning and just get destroyed because they're used to having the pressure of being a closer. They're used to that that habitual, I'm in the ninth inning, I'm in the ninth inning, and they can't handle any other time. Uh, but you're going to see this kid in the postseason at 23, I believe. Which is going to be good for them because they're going to know what they have to work on, what he does right, what he does wrong, in every aspect of the game. And a lot of times teams that have a top prospect, uh, unless they acquire him through trade, aren't necessarily the best. <laughs> so uh, to have a top player come up, perform the way he has, and then get to see him in the postseason as well. I think it's a big leg up for the Mariners and their their future plans. Um, I personally think choosing right now, the way they're built, give me Toronto against the Mets. 
Uh, I'll take that as my World Series. I think that'd actually be kind of fun. And, you know, be uh, be an interesting series, be pretty evenly matched teams in certain aspects, or at least one, you know, the differences kind of counter measure the other team. So it's, it's it'll be an interesting matchup. And I could see it happening. I know I know well both four seeds, um, but there was a lot of lousy teams this year, and a lot of the top teams just beat up on lousy teams and, and, and kind of inflated their record. Not a knock on them. You got to beat whoever you're facing, but you know, yeah, the Yankees should beat the last place team in the division every time they play them. Uh, yeah, the Braves should. You know, all these top teams should. So. Right now, I'd go with uh, Blue Jays Mets, which means I probably just jinx both of them, and they're probably gonna both get eliminated in three games. But we'll see. All right, we can delete that uh, baseball tab and on to the NFL. As we record this, there is just a a barn burner of a game going on in, in Denver. Six six happening through the third quarter. As uh, NFL Week Five kicks off, probably we're already at Week Five already, man. Um, <clears throat> the thought would be potent Russell Wilson led Broncos, man. They just, I mean, they're two and two, but they are a very inept looking two and two, and that's very surprising. I thought this team was going to be a powerhouse in that in that division. I know we, we talked about it a lot last week. But like looking at uh, the games from last week, what stuck out to you? Because every week it seems like it's something new. Like, oh, this team performed great against this top team, but now they're struggling against this team. Um, I think I think what stuck out the most, and and it kind of carried over to the the week, is Tampa Bay. Mm. They're kind of imploding, to yeah. be honest. Um, truth behind Tom and Giselle getting divorce, divorce lawyers. I don't know. There's a lot going on there. I saw some stuff early in the week, and I'm like, that doesn't look accurate. That doesn't look true. That account's not verified. Boy, there's a lot of traction going on with that. Um, the sudden... And surprising retirement of uh, Cole Beasley. Yes, Cole Beasley, who was just signed a week and a half, two weeks ago, and up and retired. <laughs> okay. Uh, the yeah, you didn't see that uh, no. yesterday morning. Yeah, no. he retired. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He wanted to focus on his family, so he retired. Go figure that one out. Um, cool. All right. Receiver Good. issues. Uh, just. It seems like the it, it, he hasn't hit the cliff. So, so Max Kellerman, do you cannot spike the ball on this one? It's just that. Well, he can anyways. It's like nine years past when he signed. I know. Initially, it's, so, so, so it's yeah. Whether or not he's hit a cliff, he's, he's too late anyway. I, I don't think he's hit a cliff. I just think Tom Tom went to a team that had a lot of firepower and a young defense and a lot of veteran defensive players and a good offensive line start taking those pieces away. And now you start seeing the fact that 
45, 46 years old. He's starting to feel father time, touch his back. It's just, he just doesn't have enough left. I'm going to say, where are you going care. with this? We're going to have to turn this up to explicit content <laughs> to keep going. Uh, I, I should have said more like tapping his shoulder. I guess that would have been more proper context. <laughs> um, it just seems like that's what's going on in Tampa Bay. It's just the pieces are not falling together anymore for Tom and Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa got what they wanted out of them. They got a Super Bowl ring. Yep. Rosarian's got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, even Byron Leftwich got a Super Bowl ring. Congratulations. Uh, I just think now they're in a division where it's winnable. I thought they were going to win this division, but easily. Yeah. Chris, Atlanta's two and two. Mm-hmm. Atlanta with Marcus Mariota. You know, I, w- I would have thought, you know, Atlanta is going to bomb. They're going to have Marcus Mariota play all season. I understand they drafted Desmond Ritter, but, you know, I thought they would have bombed for one of these these top flight cornerbacks that are coming in the draft. There's three right now, and we're probably looking at maybe a fourth or a fifth that might jump up in there as the season goes on. Uh, but you can't really get the top pick if uh, you're winning ball games, and you know they're tied for first with the with the Buccaneers. And I just don't look. I just don't see how this is going to work. Uh, Chris Godwin still hasn't been on the field, I don't think. Yeah, last like, week he was, but then he got hurt again. Oh, well, there you go. And, and you know, he's, as we saw in New England, and I'll still stand by this, uh, Nikhil Harry failed because Tom didn't want to develop him in his rookie year. But look at Tyler Johnson and, and any other kids that they brought in in the draft in the past two years for receiving. Uh really hasn't worked out and now he doesn't have those veteran players like uh, evans got suspended for a game the tight end position is in so much flux they're trying everything they can they traded for shaq mason uh to beef off the offensive line and that doesn't seem to really have helped all that much which is shocker because everyone thought that the bucks won that trade with the patriots and it you know seems like on the surface that's it's not helping much. And, you know, this this the schedule, uh, I'm going to take a quick peek at it. Uh, they're looking at, you know, they have Atlanta right now, and then Steelers, Panthers, and Ravens are all their next four games. Like, it's not a crazy hard schedule, but on the back end, it looks like it's going to be a real difficult uh, fight to the finish for um, – for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I boy Chris I I, I see this as a problem for the the Buccaneers and then I could see them a not winning this division and B not making the playoffs. Yeah, no I, I it's it's I mean look at the talent on paper, you're right, but I mean you have Edmonds and Godwin, but they you know, you can't do anything on the sideline. Uh and they got Julio Jones, oh that's great, except he's injured. Um, I mean, all those years of being on the injury report, but actually playing, I'm finally catching up with Julio, and I mean, he's actually missing games, which has not been the norm for him. Uh, So they have all the talent in the world, that receiver, on the injured list. (laughs) Uh, Even guys like Scott Miller, good a couple years ago. They had Jalen Darden from last year they drafted. Uh, Tyler Johnson, you mentioned, I forgot about him. He was a rookie Brady's first year down there. He's not even on the team anymore. 
No, he got traded. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, okay, you have all these receivers, and, I mean, you re-signed Leonard Fournette, and he hasn't been, you know, not 100% his fault because if the rest of the offense isn't panning out the way they thought it would, more focus can go on him, and it's not going to be as effective. He hasn't been miserable, but not quite the impact he was his first year there, last year. And the offensive line isn't as good. I mean, it, it – uh, I don't know. I still, because the injuries to these receivers aren't anything that's like long term or season ending. So if they everything gels in time, this is a weak enough division to where it they can easily still win it. I mean, Carolina is not Carolina is not doing anything. I don't know how they won one game. They are just uh, they they're a mess when you watch them. Like they don't seem to know what they're doing. Matt Rule is not long for this league. Uh, Falcons. Are kind of a surprise. They played good, but I don't know how long that'll hold up, especially against some tougher competition. So I mean, they're still in first place. Uh, are they going to be competing for top of the conference? Uh, I mean, <laughs> right now Eagles are running away with that, and that's Cowboys somehow three and one. The best, the best division record wise in the NFL and uh, NFC is the NFC East, which if you said that two years ago, people would have laughed openly in your face. Uh, oh, maybe not. Actually, the West is all two and two. Uh, it's a real crapshoot, honestly. No, I would, I would go with the, I would go with the East. It's yeah. three, three teams with three, three plus wins. That's yeah. But that's I mean, it's still pretty there. close. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the Eagles have looked, they've played the part. They've looked the part. They've, they look like legitimate. Like they're not just lucky wins. They're, they're winning these games uh, decisively. Well, they had they had concerns. They were like, you know, iffy against the Jags this past weekend, but they turned it on. They did, but the Jags have been a pleasant surprise, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Right. Um, so I mean, and that's you know, you got two teams who I do want to go on record. Remember, I said we picked our potential division winners as surprises. I said the Eagles could win the East easily. I didn't wasn't impressed by the other three teams, and Dallas has to prove they can do it with all those high price players, and they have not. In fact, they've done better without them. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, I got thought the Commanders would be meant to be better, but Giants are three and one. But it's like the most eh, three and one ever, you know. And I'm you know as a te- as a fan of a team that's one and three, I'm not knocking it. You still got to win, but I don't think the Eagles have to worry about them long term. I mean, they're receiving, can I ask you something? Of course, a mess. Sure. The Giants. Yep. I like I like your point about them. And, and and this is sort of like a future draft kind of question, kind of the, the future of the franchise. Will them having success this year hinder this franchise in the next few years? Because ah. going into this season, he doesn't have his fifth-year option, if I remember correctly. No, no so they didn't is, pick it up, yeah. Um, this is Daniel Jones's last year. If he has success, he is 63% completion percentage, 600 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. I, I mean, mean, he's been fine. I mean, especially with the lack of – I mean, the receivers have been injured and not performing. Right. Uh, Kenny Galladay, that experiment, a, a little over a year in, is already a complete bust. Kadarius Tony can't seem to stay healthy, and they wanted to trade him in the offseason after having him for a season, after drafting him in the first round last year. Right. Um. Yeah, I think it might actually. If they just came out and sucked, 
They have a high draft pick. They could just, you know. Let him go. Let him go. And then pick up somebody else. Maybe pick up a free agent player or quarterback to kind of get him accustomed to certain things. And then four or five games in, let him take over. Um, well, they have, Ty- they have Tyrod on the roster. So it's kind of like a great veteran that you know is not going to yeah. start because yep. something's going to happen because Tyrod always gets screwed over. I, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, everything told me going into the season that this team is just going to suck. It's a new head coach. They're going to give him some leeway. They're going to you know give him a little rope to say, hey, you know, we know you're going to suck this year. We'll get a high pick. You can go get the, the cream of the crop, whatever you want. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, whatever you want. And then we'll build. We'll, we'll hold you to that player. And now this, I know it's three and one. It's early, but this three one start that could, that could, and that could cause them to give him a huge contract. Has, has he really earned? If I was a Giants fan, I'd be more concerned with them giving Saquon Barkley that big contract. Okay. Because Saquon looked dynamic in his rookie year. And we even said, you know, this was back when, um, uh, who was it? Uh, somebody else. Uh, besides McCaffrey, there's somebody else. Uh, Dalvin? No, it was the, the rushing receiving threat. Um, That was Kamara? after David Johnson's prime time. Uh, Chris <sighs> Johnson? Or, uh, I can't remember who it was. There's somebody else, and I said that Saquon yeah. is easily number two behind McCaffrey. Remember, McCaffrey's coming off his thousand rushing and receiving yard year, uh, and I said Saquon's easily number two. He had a dynamic rookie year, and then the following two years, the poor guy just could not stay healthy. Played pretty well whenever he was healthy, yeah. but just had injury issues. Now, I mean, look at the fantasy. I mean, just fantasy wise, I mean, I know. Obviously, what matters most to the team is what happens on the field when they play, but they're three and one. They're probably very happy with that. Todd Gurley? Oh, oh might have been Gurley, yeah. yeah. Back then, four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I think they, well, knew, coming in, they knew coming into the season they were not going to re-sign Daniel Jones to a long-term deal. Right. They, even though he's doing okay, he's not the guy. And they know he's not the guy. They might... You know, if they'll go for something reasonable in the offseason, maybe as like a stopgap until they get their next guy, they might sign him to a two- or three-year contract if he's interested. Uh, I don't think the market for him is going to be extraordinary, so if I were him, I would do that. Uh, but, um, I mean, I-, I would just say be more weary of signing. Because I, I don't think I have anything to worry about as far as I'm signing Daniel Jones to a long-term deal. But saying, ooh, this is the Saquon we need. It's a cornerstone. He's running behind our line. He's performing. We're locking this guy up for the next three or four years. Big money. I'd be more worried about that if I was a Giants fan. Now, if you can get him for something reasonable, market value, by all means, bring him back. I'm not saying they shouldn't sign him. But if he goes in and goes, I'm going to get my money, and they got to go over the top to make sure they keep him in in town, I think they're going to regret that because they're already paying Galladay a lot of money. They're paying those offensive linemen a lot of money. Uh, they're playing some of those defensive guys, decent money. And now you're not going to probably, if you keep this up, have a tippy-top draft pick. It, it, it could potentially hurt the team, uh, although 
The dog's like going crazy back here. Um, although it might also be a blessing in disguise because then you don't have the pressure of saying, oh, which high caliber player do we pick? Because we haven't exactly hit on these the last four or five years. So maybe, with the exception of Saquon, so maybe if some of these guys are taken away by the time they get to us and we end up picking in the 12 to 15 range, then, you know, a little bit of pressure off us. And let's face it, you pick a bust in the first round, you pick 15 or 16, it's a lot easier to deal with than if you've got everyone to pick from when you pick one or two and it's a bust. So he is on pace. What it looks like, Chris, to have a better season than his rookie year right now. Obviously, yeah, we're four games in. He's got 463 yards rushing, he's averaging 5.5 yards a carry. That's hot, his highest in his career. And he, he doesn't have the gaudy re- receiving numbers, but you know. He's got some receiving, so he is a threat there. I would agree with you. That is a huge concern. And if he has an epic career year, his price tag is going to shoot. He's going to value himself higher. I uh-huh. want to. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a running back. His time is short. We know this. So this is his contract right here. This one coming up is the contract. I'm looking at my site that I go to, and they're calculating his market value at 4.4 average year. I Hmm. I would take that now. But by the end of the season, if he has continues his numbers, there's no way that he's going to accept that kind of deal. So I I just find it interesting. I think we'll track this as the season goes on and kind of see where this situation because it's you know this is brian dayball's first year and he's going to need to decide which way he goes because if he goes with daniel jones and saquon and they don't pan out that's going to be a short run in new york for him Mm -hmm. however if he pivots and gets that high draft pick and goes another direction with younger talent you let Barkley go. You let Daniel Jones go. I understand it's a huge risk, but you do it. And you might get a little more, you know, a little more rope from the front office. Uh, only if you're running a, a, you know, clean, good operation that, you know, is moving in the correct direction. I think that could happen, but it's just very interesting to see where this is going to go. And then we pointed out, uh, you pointed out the Eagles are tearing it up. Dallas is somehow doing it with Cooper Rush, and they'll have Dak come back. One would think the Washington Commanders just needs a, a, a decent quarterback, and, and they're in the race. So if you're the Giants, you lose one of these guys as your stars, it it becomes problematic for that team in that division. So that I find that very fascinating for that team. Yeah. Uh, other other things of interest last week. Uh, the the Cowboys continue to do better without Dak than with Dak. Uh, the Lions and Seahawks. Uh, oh, the Cowboys winning twenty five to ten over Washington. Um, Lions and Seahawks, uh, the, the two highest scoring offenses in the NFL. So go, 
go figure that one out. Yeah, but um, the Lions are what defensively, Chris. What are yes, the Lions? The Lions, I think they said they've they've scored an average of forty five a game, and they've given up an average of forty five point eight per game. So, I mean, even if their defense just sucks a little bit, then they're going to win quite a few games. Uh, this team actually actually looked better than one and three. To tell you the truth, they've been close in two of those games. Goff has been very good. Yep. Amara St. Brown has been the most pleasant surprise of the season so far. To my, if you ask me to this point, the kid's been killing it. Except uh, for last week. Well, yeah, I mean, things happen. But I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's a long-term injury. He should be back this week, I think. Uh, I hope so. Uh, uh, Gunn need his help? Yeah, I hope not because we're playing. <laughs> uh, maybe You know what, Amron? You know, I love watching you play, man, but just do yourself a favor. Just take one more week, rest up a little bit, and then, then come back next week. We don't need any more two-touchdown performances. He uh, single-handedly won me week two. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, he, he he's had some great games. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Dolphins got their first loss because the NFL concussion protocol is a joke. Uh, and, and, and do you think they're? <laughs> let me ask you uh, on that line of um, the concussion protocol uh, after last week and tonight. Do you think they're making that more of a, a point of emphasis? Because how many guys have you seen pulled out of games the Sunday and tonight? Because Naheem Hines got pulled out last uh, tonight. Yeah. Now he did look a little. He looked like he was a little jarred, but it didn't look like a head injury. But they yanked him right off and put him in protocol. Uh, do you think that's the right move, or or you think they're going a little too much over the top? I think they're going. Probably going over the top, but I I would always when you're talking about long term safety, you err on the side of caution as opposed to letting them go. Uh, I, I think with the Heinz, I didn't see the hit, but I heard it was a massive hit. Uh, so I, look, I looked at the hit, Chris, uh-huh. and it and it. I didn't see any helmets to helmet contact with the defender. However, Naheem Hines is a small gentleman, right? And uh, I think it was a linebacker that. Either the linebacker, a big safety, kind of hit him on the side, shoulder, full force. That right there, that jarring move could have caused something. So Sure, and I think, you know, I, I, I'd say this. You know, the NFL, uh, which, which you know, has the consistency of quicksand when it comes to personal policies and things of that nature. Uh, we've talked about that. It's an absolute joke. Uh <sighs> Tua should not have been put back in that game last week. Nope. Um, it's 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 absurd, uh, and then there's no, you know, it's almost like whoever made the decision for him to go in doubled down and was like, well, if we put him in protocol now, it's gonna look like we didn't do what we were supposed to do last week because we didn't. Uh, they they terminated the NFL terminated the relationship with the uh, outside, um, non affiliated like neuro trauma person who was in charge of like checking for head injuries and things like that because they said they didn't follow protocol that's throwing someone under the bus because the nfl didn't follow their own protocol 100 percent, 100 percent right chris i have a little extra on that too uh, i heard an interview uh from a lawyer down in florida that de- deals with concussions with players mm-hmm. uh that guy there he i know he had no information on this but some of those, you know, um, independent people are hired for a week, hired for two weeks, uh, okay. and then are just extended. 
Um, and the reality of the situation, and this is sad, uh, and there's I don't have any verified facts right this uh, right on this for this individual, but supposedly not all these people that are hired as independent, you know, spotters, so to speak, yeah. are all not all of them are neurosurgeons or people of that ilk. Oh. Sometimes they're just emergency room doctors, professionals that you know want to get a sideline ticket to the game and, and wants to you know hey i'll i'll do this job no problem i'll get front row seats to the game and you know if i see something maybe i'll tuck it in the way of the team because ultimately let's put it this way uh the i believe the nfl and the nflpa agree on the person but they get their credentials to go on the field from the home team so there's a little bit, uh, a little extra information for everyone out there. Um, I find it very suspect that they're doing that. And there needs to be a little correction by the NFLPA to kind of make sure that, that this person, A, is 100% qualified in, in, in concussions so that they can see it and know it and respond to it. And three, there has to be zero connection with the NFL or the team. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. They issue the, the the payments should come from either a joint account by the NFL and the NFLPA or it should come from the NLPA NFLPA and all the NFL team should have is to issue a credential and have no no payment to that pl- that person and the they need to they need to make sure that this individual as as much unbiased as possible and that their only concern is making sure that player is in the right state of mind and does not have a concussion. Yeah, there's there's no way he should have been back in that game Sunday. No. Shouldn't have been allowed shouldn't have been allowed to play uh Thursday. That's that's absurd. And then he ends up going out and getting hurt and surprise, surprise, it's a head injury. Could be another concussion for all we know. Uh and I know I, I'm not a doctor by any stretch but one thing you know is when you have a concussion the worst possible thing that can happen is another blow to the head that is just that is how you end up with severe issues down the line so hopefully uh you know as much as i enjoyed watching the dolphins lose (laughs) um uh, certainly not that like that and uh you know hopefully tua is all right long term and he can get back on the field soon because he is a fun player and forget the field side of it like real life part of it like hopefully there's no long-term effects and and the guy is all right so uh shame on the nfl but what's new uh anything else here you said eagles stayed undefeated panthers continue Mm -hmm. to be just wildly mediocre uh, Patriots on their third-string quarterback almost upset the Packers in Lambeau. That ended up being a way better game than any business being. I was close, man. I was close. <sighs> it looks like they might have him for a bit there. but uh, And now Brian Hoyer placed on IR, uh, so Bailey Zappa will be the backup. But it looks as though uh, the six-week timetable and then the potential eight-week timetable or ten-week timetable may not be the case at all. Mac Jones might play this weekend. Uh, so <laughs> that's... What? Kids got hard. I give them that much. And then, uh, where, oh, where am I? Yeah, pushing the wrong button. 
And then the 49ers uh, just straight up shut down uh, the Rams on Monday night. Oh, yeah. And, and the Jalen Ramsey fall from grace tour just violently continues. Uh, I've never seen one person go from dominant to just getting burned on a regular basis in such a short span of time. I think it might be time. That, I'm, I'm sorry, Jalen, to tell you this. It might be time to make that shift. You know what it shifts I'm talking about, Chris? Shift to safety. That's right. Hey, his talents will play. A lot of a lot of great cover corners easily shift to safety because they can see the field. They they can play the ball. He's a playmaker. He's a ball hawk. Problem becomes is his cover skills on the outside lacking at this point. And they may be. I'll tell you right now. I think Trayvon Diggs, as exceptional as a as a player as he is, and he can high point the ball, great hands. I'm gonna say it right now. Three or four years, he's gonna be shift to safety. Why? The talents play. That's just a matter of fact. You know, and I know Devin McCourty is one of the greatest free safeties to play the game. After his excellent rookie season. Could not cover outside, so you know it just might be that time for him. Yep. All right. Anything else from week four? Are you ready to move on to our uh, award predictions? I'm ready for the picks, man. All right, let's do it. Uh, we have five. We're gonna go with uh, MVP, Offensive Defensive Player of the Year, and Offensive Defensive Rookie of the Year. As the year goes on, we might add some other ones: Comeback Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Uh, and then, you know, maybe a few other things we want to discuss. But keep it simple for now. Um, would you like to start? Uh, sure. Where are we starting? Let me get my defensive my, rookie my, of the year. Defensive. Here. Real quick. We have a few. As the world turns. Oh, yeah. Oh, let's go with uh, – let's start off with Defensive Rookie of the Year. All right. Let me find my guy. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, yes, this is going to be – look, if you're going to accuse me of being a homer, I am not going to – I'm not going to shy away from this, okay? I am going to own it. Uh, I am picking Aiden. I understand we just pointed out that they're probably – one of the worst of worst defenses in the history of NFL. But Aiden Hutchinson has made an impact. And he's got three sacks as a rookie. He has two 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 touchdowns. Did I read that right? I think I read that right. Oh no. Two tackles for losses. Um he's starting off strong as a rookie. And I like that. I like the motor. I liked him in college, obviously, because he went to Michigan. Um I could change this over the year, but I think right now I'm going to stick with Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy who got who passed him. Who, uh, oh man, English. I'm going to go with the guy who the Jags passed up on uh, Hutchinson. Nope, doesn't make sense either. Anyways, I'm going with the first overall pick, Trayvon Walker. Um, look, that Jags defense was formidable years ago, on on the back of good secondary and some really 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 great linebackers a really deep linebacking core and it looks like this kid's the first step to rebuilding i mean that defense has been the surprise of the special team side of 
the defense special team side of the NFL this year so far, and they've looked really, really good and really solid, and he's a big part of that. And a couple of guys I could have picked. I think my honestly, I think my vote's going to change over the year because this was two or three people, including Hutchinson, where I was like, ah, where do you go flip a coin? Can I defensive player of the year? Uh, who knows? I mean, I normally go TJ Watt, but he's going to be hurt for three quarters of the season, so it can't be him. Although, if anybody can come back and win it in five games, it's him. But <laughs> uh, he might still have ten sacks. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with uh, Walker. So now we will do Offensive Rookie of the Year. All right, Offensive Rookie of the Year. And uh, kind of – this one kind of stood out to me a little bit. Only because I kind of look through the rookies and I'm looking through everything and I'm like, oh, look at that. And then I'm thinking of the team that he's playing for and there's a lot of inconsistency with this team. And, well, I think this shows this shows kind of, uh, and it's ironic because he went to the same college as uh, Terry McLaurin. I think there's a lot of similarities here starting off. Uh, Chris Olave of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he has got some – he is ninth in receiving yards. And uh, I think it's promising for the Saints that they they got him to marry with the rest of their team. Uh, their only concern is obviously the quarterback position and uh, if they can figure that out ever again. Uh, but I – as much as it pains me to say something – good about an Ohio State Buckeye. Um, I like the promising uh, start to Chris Olave's season and career. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, no argument here. He's my pick, too. Uh, he's You watch the kid play, and it, it looks like he's already been in the league for for three or four years. It looks a lot like uh, Jamar Chase did last year. Like He belongs there. Like There's no transition for him. It just looks seamless. A lot of team with in a lot of flux, a lot of injuries, a lot of stars moving in, moving out, going from here to there. Quarterback situation uncertain, but he just keeps plugging along. I know, well, plugging along, it's four games, but doesn't seem to affect him at all. Throwing the ball, he's going to catch it. Knows how to do his job, and I don't know if this one's going to change throughout the year. Defense, I think will. I think the offensive MVP, a rookie. Excuse me, offensive rookie of the year is. Barring injury, more than likely going to be just his to coast into. Yeah, I agree with that. And and he even, even this past weekend, he had a uh, old Andy Dalton throwing to him, and he still put up some uh, decent stats. Nothing crazy, but he put up some decent stats. And so I think that's kind of that tells you that's kind of a measuring stick for someone to be exceptional in this in the receiving game. Is that can you? produced even when the star is not on the field my defensive player of the year this one kind of there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, people to pick from this so i took this opportunity chris again if you want to call me a homer go right ahead i'm not gonna be offended i picked rashad gary uh defensive end slash outside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. He is one of the league leader. Uh, he's not the league leader in sacks, but he's up there in sacks. He's been pretty consistent through all four games. 
productivity. His team is three and one, and he's also carrying five tackles for losses. He's also forced to fumble. His impact in the game, I, I saw firsthand last weekend uh, when he was that Billy Zappi or Brian Hoyer. He crushed. I think it was Brian. Uh, he crushed. Yeah. I think that's what who, that's who he crushed because uh, I think actually the hit by Rashawn Gary was the one that knocked uh, Brian Hoyer out of the game. So that's my pick. Uh, he went to the University of Michigan. So say what you want. Uh, I will not hide my homerism. <laughs> uh, mine's going to be pretty boring. Uh, I mean, I go by stats when I do these. Uh, you have a little bit better feel watching a lot of these guys in college, which is why your picks are usually a little more in-depth than mine. Or I pretty much just go on numbers and performance. And I'm looking at the numbers and a player elite in this category, but he's not doing anything in this category. And, you know, vice versa. This guy's great in fumbles, but he just barely gets tackles. This guy has four interceptions, but he doesn't tackle and he doesn't do anything else besides just – not the ball away. So I'm going to go with Old Faithful, not TJ Watt, because obviously he's injured. Uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. Um, Guy's coming off a great year. He was obviously the one the Super Bowl. He was a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year again. Uh, obviously, TJ Watt finally and rightfully got it. Uh, this guy's going to be there in the end. His numbers are going to be there. He's going to he's he is the reason they won the Super Bowl last year. Because God knows Jalen Ramsey playing defense wasn't it. And if it wasn't for Donald getting in Joe Burrow's face, uh Burrow and Jamar Chase are playing pitch and catch all day right over Jalen Ramsey falling all over himself. So I'm going to stick with Old Faithful. I'm going to go Aaron Donald and uh boring, yes, but <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Offensive so, player of the year. Yes. All right. Where are we at? So I am looking at. Now, I, I kind of toiled with this. There's a bunch of. Let's be clear, Chris. There's a bunch of quarterbacks to kind of decide between yeah. the next two, the next two awards. Uh, it's no knock on any receivers or running backs, but I feel like right now at this spot, it's it's a group of quarterbacks that are for these two two awards. And for offensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it, yeah. It, you know he he doesn't have gaudy passing numbers. He's just under 900 yards uh, with uh, passing yards. He's got 11 touchdowns, four picks, eight sacks. He's got 300 yards rushing, and he's got two touchdowns uh, rushing. I think what's holding him back is the problem the team collectively has in the fourth quarter where they're just giving up leads. Um, obviously, they didn't give up one to the New England Patriots, but almost there, there, there's a, there's a paper trail there that could have led the Patriots to a win. I understand I'm a Patriots fan. That's what I'm going to believe. As an unbiased person, I think anyone who's not a Ravens fan or a Patriots fan could look at that game and say, yeah, 
this and this happens might have a different outcome. Uh, so I think that's kind of part of the reason why I just couldn't. Now, Chris, a week ago, I would have said unequivocally, he is number one MVP. But I don't know what it is. Just he yeah. just, you know, the, he lost like a big, big time matchup this weekend against the Buffalo Bills, and they couldn't pull it off. They had a huge lead and just let it go. And in another huge matchup against the Miami Dolphins, and they let that one go. Well, here's the thing, though: the Ravens were scoring like crazy that entire game. Right. So I don't I don't fault the offense or Lamar for that Dolphins loss. The one against Buffalo, I do. They were up by they were up twenty to three, I think it was, in like the late first Fourth. quarter, and then they didn't score again. Right. And Buffalo's defense is really good, but against Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense, they should have been able to figure something out. Yeah, but I'm but. pretty sure they were missing at least one, if not two, safeties. Who Buffalo? Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, really? Or did they? Oh. I, I don't think they had Jordan Poyer and the other uh, the other safety I think was out. If not, it was the week before. But watch him for sure defensive player of the year too. Uh, I would too. Poyer, watch him. He, he he could be there in the end. He was one of the guys but I was deciding between. It, it it's just it's three weeks in a row where either they almost gave it up or they gave or it. Or they up. did, yeah. And, and 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 I can understand your point about Miami, but. There are decisions they made at the end of that game on offense that could have held the ball a little bit more and, sure. and milked that clock. Yeah. And it just that's what it that's what that tells me is that they need to figure it out in the fourth quarter uh for him to get the uh, MVP. And uh, I think he's part of it because he kind of needs to help bridge that gap because that defense you're right isn't the defense it used to be. No. Uh although they are very good. But they're not. They're not the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, end of Terrell Suggs run. Their level Ravens defense. They're guys that talk a little bit more and perform a little bit less. Uh, but Lamar, yeah, offensive player of the year, uh, and I agree, it's all quarterbacks. Um, as of now, you're not getting the production out of Derrick Henry. You were the year ago at this time. Jonathan Taylor has been banged up. Didn't even play tonight in the Thursday night game, which is. Uh, oh, it's nine to nine to six now. Denver, uh, midway through the fourth, it's just it's a barn burner. And the Ravens um, are about to are about to welcome the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. So there's a test. Sunday night football. There's your test. It's gonna be a fun game to watch. I think. It's gonna be a really good game. That Sunday night. The um, ninth. Um. Yeah. The ninth. Yeah. Sunday night. Yep. So. You know, you you get some they get some break in the next few weeks after that for teams they're facing, but I'm telling you, th- this is another measuring stick that the the Ravens need to to check their box to to kind of win this one, uh, especially since the Bengals beat Miami. They've kind of I, I understand we we understand the situation that happened with Tua, but. That defense is pretty damn good in Miami. Would you agree with that? Very good. Yeah, absolutely. So, this is a measuring stick scenario for the Ravens. This is division, you know, tiebreakers on the line already, and this could, this game right here, could lead to implications in the playoffs. 
And that's crazy. Week five, we're already talking about that kind of stuff. But I think it's true. And those two teams match up again against each other in the end of the season. So this will be a measuring stick game for the Ravens, I think. You want yeah. to do your, uh, hard, you hard, do your MVP, Chris? Hard to disagree. Yeah, my my MVP came down to three guys. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to name them off all off, obviously, because I don't want to throw a, a wrench in. But you will, you're going to pick, although I think we may pick the same person. I really struggled with this uh, because the team hasn't – they look good, but not as good as the first two weeks. Um, hmm. I gotta go with Josh Allen. We did not pick the same person. Uh, I have a feeling one of my other picks is who you're gonna go with because I literally, dude, there's two guys. I I literally I didn't know who I was gonna pick until I said it out loud just then, honestly, because I I think it could be this much of a coin flip. Uh, the guy. I honestly feel there's no competitive team in this league that relies not solely on one player because there's many, many talented players in the Buffalo Bills, but to run the offense the way they want to run it relies so heavily on one player to the point where if that player went out, that team would just be, they'd go from a a, a barking Rottweiler to a whimpering puppy. Like, they just, I mean, their defense is really good, but... Stephon Diggs isn't catching those passes from backups the way he's catching from Josh Allen. The backup isn't extending plays the way Josh Allen did because if they could, they'd be starting something for somebody else with a $300 million contract like Josh Allen has. He's legitimately a special player. Uh, It pains me to say because it's with the division rival. Uh, I think they got to prove a little more as a team. They love to talk and talk and talk. In the last two years, they should have been in the Super Bowl, and they weren't. And that window, and people's patience only lasts so long. But they're a damn good team. They could very easily be 4-0. No single team relies as much on one person as the Bills do Josh Allen. Well, let's see if, if one of your other choices is my choice. Uh, I'm picking this guy because through four games – he didn't need to prove this, but he has proven that the subtraction of his number one wide receiver has not greatly impacted him. Yeah, that's the other guy. The way yeah. some yeah. people <laughs> might have thought. I know who you got. Uh, I mean, he he threw up 360 and five touchdowns this past weekend, a, a 76% completion percentage. You know, he. The weird game against Indianapolis, he lost. I, I chalked that up as early season bug. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the first game of the season. I'm, I'm going in reverse. They just faced the uh, Buccaneers. But he had an outstanding game then, too. Um, but I think that's early season kind of getting the kinks out. Uh, oh, it isn't the same guy. It isn't the same guy. No, this is this is Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Man. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is This is a guy who who lost his, his not his binky, because his binky is Travis Kelsey. Um, lost his guy, his his deep yeah. threat, the yep. cheetah, the guy who you could throw a, 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 I don't know, a slip screen, 
uh, a slant, and, and and pretty much anything, and it could be he'd be gone. Obviously, Tua knows that for the first few games, uh, but I think what he's doing is he's making stuff happen. You, did you see that play this past weekend uh, to Clyde Edward Hilaire? No. No. Oh, cue that up sometime this week, and and he literally just he's scrambling, scrambling, ducks a few players. He's getting chased by somebody, and all of a sudden he just kind of flicks the ball up in the air a little bit, and he's like at the six yard line, and all of a sudden it drops right into Clyde Edwards' layer hand, and it's touchdown. Nice. It, it's can he do that for six sixteen games? I don't know, but he's got enough pieces. I know Juju hasn't made a great impact, but no. it's a, it's it's another piece. I'll give him that. It's another piece for that team to kind of because really the the heart and soul of that team uh, is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Those those are the two kind of pillar pieces. And everything else is just going to build from there. And, you know, we'll see what kind of – if these rookies can can come up or if Hardman, MVS, or uh, Juju can, can kind of raise their level. I'm just intrigued. I'm going to be honest. I'm intrigued to see if this pace can hold through the entire season because this could be – and and he's had, what's he in the league for five years? I think. Uh, Mahomes. Or is it six? Uh, this will be two, f- four, six. This is year number six. Six. Okay. I mean, he didn't. He played one game in his first year, but yeah. So five full seasons. This could be his greatest accomplishment, and he's had an MVP season. Yeah. And a Super Bowl run, but this could be his greatest achievement. Doing this without that deep threat. Mm-hmm. That he had with Tyreek Hill for so many years. Figuring this out, the offense. I mean, if, if Chris, if they put this together, I'm telling you, if Eric Bieni doesn't get a job next year as a head coach, it is strictly because he's looking at teams and saying, "I don't want to go there." Yeah, I mean, he's had he should have had his pick of the litter the last four or five off seasons, honestly. But um, yeah, I mean, we. Mahomes is obviously we know how good Mahomes is. He's going to be there every year, uh, and I think honestly, uh, losing it sounds crazy. Obviously, they don't want to lose Tyreek Hill, but it may in the long run have been the best thing for them because now they're forced to do what they had to uh, shift to early last season when they just did not look very good at all, offensively or defensively, and that is yeah we wanted to have those big plays, but we can also do the little screen passes and the dump offs. Not everything has to be 50 yards downfield to Tyreek, which I think has made MB, uh, MBS, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire way more valuable and, and used in many different capacities, which he's definitely capable of if you saw anything from his college days, which one of the few players on advice from other people in fantasy leagues went back and looked at some of his stuff in college. Dude's a dynamic offensive weapon. Yes. He's finally being used in that way, along with Travis Kelsey and some of the receivers they brought in to kind of supplement losing uh, Tyreek Hill, even though you can't replace him. So I think it's made this offense more well-rounded, which just makes a guy of Mahomes' talent 
more dangerous. Audible mention for me, my other guy I was going to pick was Justin Herbert. Leads the league in passing yards. All, I thought you were going with him because also lost his number one receiver in the first week. Uh, and has been playing the past two, 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 uh, two weeks with a broken rib in obvious pain. Showed he's tough. Showed he's a team guy. Showed he's exactly what he's made of. Um, two interceptions, nine touchdowns, 1,250 passing yards. All the numbers are there. The leadership's there. And his running backs really have struggled, with the exception of last game, really haven't shown up. And his top receiver has been out since halfway through the first week. And he's still doing this. So Josh Allen, I think, single most important player to his team. But then you flip a coin, just a, just a smidge underneath Josh Allen with Mahomes and uh, Mahomes and Herbert. And they're just as important. And, uh, you know, that's that. We'll, we'll see. Um, we'll, uh, we'll go over these again in four or five, six weeks and see where we stand. And if, you know, hopefully, hopefully not due to injury, if uh, any, any of these have to change. Uh, like last year when we jinxed poor Derrick Henry. And, mm-hmm. or I should say, I jinxed poor Derrick Henry. Uh, and then I felt so guilty I had to uh, draft him just because I felt like if he was going to struggle, I had to take that burden because I did that to somebody else. So uh, before we go, we, we are we are playing this week. We are. Uh, and you have a better record than me. My team, I love my team, the players on my team. It's just they, they're not performing on the same level. So I just put all my top guys in this week. I said, forget matchups. I'm putting talent in. Uh, whew, let's see. My lineup, I got Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Chris Godwin, Mark Andrews, the 49ers defense, and Young Hoku or Young Young Hoku? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Ben, not to be outdone, has Joe Burrow, Nick Chubb, Khalil Herbert, Jamar Chase, Michael Pittman Jr., who is... Doing okay tonight. Okay, yeah. Uh, Devontae Smith, Ramondre Stevenson, Dolphins defense, and Ryan Suckup as his kicker. Well, uh, that's 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 a that's that's for now. Uh, well, tell me, God, God, Godwin's for now too because if he's out, obviously I can't start him. So if I I can't start him, uh, I'll probably go. I'll probably throw Garrett Wilson in there again and just oh. hope. We'll see. Uh, maybe maybe I'll give David Montgomery a shot. <laughs> But uh, projection-wise, I am projected to win 135 to 119, but I don't take that for anything because I am in a 12-team league uh, with with family members and friends, and uh, I won this week somehow, and I was I won against somebody who was 3-0, and and they were – that's just my cousin Steve, who's in this league too. I was going against him. He was 3-0. and I was 1-2, and although I should have been 2-1. and C.D. Lambs heroics and that great catch last week screwed me over but uh yeah i had a great game actually ended up going like 40 points above my projection beat the undefeated guy who's also in my division which is nice for me so now i'm two and two in that league i'm one of three in ours uh but i really think i really think my players uh fight if they're healthy i can go on a good run and win a couple in a row but the important part is beating you that's always been what it's all about so Gotta make sure I thoroughly embarrass you and, and and shuffle you off to another Ryan Leaf Memorial Trophy 
Uh, I don't know about that. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And it looks like the uh, the Colts and the Broncos are slowly and painfully coming to the end, oh. where it might end up to be nine to six. You know, for half a second, I w- before we started recording, I was like, "Oh, you know, it's, it's cool recording on Thursday." I know I said we would, but uh, I kind of want to watch a game. And I saw it was Colts Broncos the way Russell Wilson's been playing and without Jonathan Taylor. And I was like, "You know what? I'm good." It's all right. Don't care so much. It's fine. Uh, hard pass. There's nothing. This is nothing special. Uh, I I can't. I'm trying to look for the stats here. It, it's it's what there is of them, but it's just it's not. Uh... Man, where is it? It's easier to find on a phone than it is in. Well, anyways, uh, Russell Wilson, like I said before we started recording, needs to give his agent a raise. Because Seattle knew this guy was washed. <laughs> Not only did they send him to Denver for a healthy haul, yeah, uh, but they also <laughs> managed to get him a brand new shiny contract in Denver with a lot of guaranteed money. And I dare to say, last year the Broncos' offense was better with Drew Locke. You came into this year, and, and no, I'm not saying Drew Locke's better quarterback than Russell Wilson. I'm not, I'm not crazy. Well, you know who's playing right now, right? Not True Luck. What? Gino's oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Gino, Gino's doing really good, too. Gino's look great so far this year. I don't know how long it'll last, but he's looked really good. Uh, I mean, well, people got on me. Was it a year, a year and a half ago when I said Russell Wilson to me was not in the elite category? Yep. Um, I never said he sucked. never said he was awful. But look, the time he won the Super Bowl. He had an absolutely like historically elite defense and a running back who was just mowing people over. And th- any other time than that, he's been good for short stretches and then he disappears and he has not been dominant and injuries, this, that. Yeah. Everyone else in the league deals with the same stuff. Mahomes still shows up every week. Josh Allen still shows up. These top guys, these new guys coming up are still showing up. Wilson just isn't an elite level player. I'm sorry. And I think we talked about this either last year or the year before, where the old guard, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron yep. Rodgers, I think Philip Rivers at the time was still playing. Um, that old guard that you know was going to relinquish the next next tier. And and I think we had this conversation where Russell Wilson might get passed over as the next tier. Yeah, because the young kids coming up, it was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, no, he wasn't in that time, but that Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, that kind of you know that group right there was Dak Prescott. Even it was like they kind of they kind of usurped Russell Wilson a little bit uh-huh. to the point. So uh, I think that's come to fruition. Where yeah, the that that young tier is surpassing. That old guard, I think we're seeing that with um, Aaron Rodgers a, a little bit. We're seeing with Tom. Obviously, Philip Rivers has passed, moved on. Breeze has moved on. Uh, they're not dead. They just, you know, retired. Sorry about <laughs> yeah. that. Um, and I think these young cats are coming in. You know, now we have, you know, Joe Burrow. We got J- Justin Herbert. Obviously, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. You know, and it, it it's it's good to see. 
it's excellent to see, but it seems like you know Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, you know, as good as they've been, they kind of got hop skipped and jumped over and are still at that lower that that lower tier, that that not that elite level. They're in that lower tier still, or they're just below elite. And that's just I don't know, it's a it's a combination of the environment they've they've developed in and uh, quite honestly, uh, these younger kids coming up and having an easier time to transition into the offense. I think going from pro or from going from college to pro, I think the schemes and the play calling is just becoming very similar from from college to pro. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, it's hard to argue. Um, He kind of came out of nowhere, and you know, it, look, it's been it, with the exception of last year, previous three or four years has been the same thing. Oh, let let Russ cook, which is just a stupid phrase to begin with. I don't get it. Uh, but let him do his thing. Let him do his thing. Let him do his thing. And they let him do his thing, and he can't hack it as a elite quarterback. And he wants to turn around and blame his coach and the team and all those people who give him a chance. And then play Mr. Nice Guy, you know, when he talks to everybody. Um, it, it, it's it's kind of what happens when you're not as good as you think you are. I, I have to I have to add on to your your com, com what's the proper term? I just have to add on to your uh, Russell Wilson. You know, hey, he's just not as good as he as. As he was, uh, they were lead, they're leading nine to six, right? They're mm-hmm. driving down. They're inside the. I think they're in. They were. In, they were. Were inside oh the red boy. zone. Yep. They were working the clock, and they decided, "Hey, let's pass the ball." Oh God! And what do you think happened, Chris? Interception. Stephon Gilmore interception. Because Russell Wilson near the goal line always ends up well when you pass when you should have run. So, um, look, will the Colts? Drive and win the game? No. I don't know. Maybe, no. maybe not. But they're now given a chance when literally the, the, the Broncos could have just milked the clock away, yeah. kicked the field goal, and and, and gave given the Colts a you know a few seconds to hell marry it. But uh uh yeah, that's it's kind of sad really. But we'll see what happens. Hey, maybe the Broncos still win. Yeah, and, you know, again, I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's trash or he's terrible or he shouldn't be out of the league. Certainly not. He's a very talented quarterback. Upper echelon, elite-level talent? No. It's just not. There's only a few of those guys, and we talked about them <laughs> in our MVP picks, and there's a couple of guys that look like they might be headed in that direction, but they still got something to prove. And Wilson's just not. He was in, like, that lost generation. He was never the tippy-top guy. I mean, Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years, as bitter and angry as he's been about everything, has still gone in there and performed at a level to win the MVP. Although you can question him, but that's probably just my personal feelings on Aaron Rodgers, so I'm not going to get all uppity on that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's the first. He's, he was the MVP of the first four weeks of the season, like three years in a row, and then, well, just kind of trailed off. I mean, 
dog is crazy. All right. Uh, anything else? You good? I'm all set. All right. Thank you very much for listening to episode 186. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related at all, Ben, I'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? You can hit us up on Twitter. That's BCTS Pod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, bctspod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and a review, subscribe, and ask a friend to do the same. We greatly appreciate the support. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next week. Thank you.